Hey everyone, today's episode is on angels. So we have talked about angels a little bit on this podcast. We talk about them in the Saint Gabriel episode. We also talk about them in the demonic series. So some of this you may know, however, a lot of it I'm hoping is new and in more detail than I've done in past episodes. I also, as I'll say in the episode, I'm not touching the Solomonic magic. I'm not touching the New Age stuff. That's just so much. <laughs> so I try to stay to my lane of Catholic angelology. And another reason why I'm doing this episode is because on the 29th, we will be doing our episode on St. Michael. So before we talk about archangels or another archangel, because we've already talked about Gabriel, I wanted to do a formal episode on the angels. And I really love the approach to the angelic and folk Catholicism and Catholicism in general, because they are not these beings that we have to create a circle and summon with symbols and such. We are all given an angel and they're sitting next to us right now. So it's not about summoning, it's about praying with, spending time with, and thanking and showing gratitude. And it's a very easy thing to incorporate into your practice. There's also a lot of beauty and a lot of poetry and seeing the world as being governed by God's holy helpers. So as always, all of these show notes, um, all of the bonus content is on Patreon. Currently, as I'm recording this, we have a nine days of St. Michael going on. Uh, we'll be doing a similar thing for St. Francis. We also have a lot of fun stuff. All the deliverance prayers, I try to write at least two or three deliverance prayers or blessings weekly. Uh, we have a series on underrated saints and underrated protectors, so check it out. There's a lot of great content, but most of all, all of the stuff I talk about here will be nice and summarized on Patreon. Regardless, everyone, thank you so much for all of your support, and I hope you enjoy this episode on the angels. Thank you. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. And today we will be talking about angels. We are all to become like the angels one day. And I feel like this is forgotten or it's outright just not taught any longer. Christ himself said that we are to become like gods or other translations, we are to become like the angels. And the thought that humans would become on the same level as angels, that upset certain angels and those angels revolted. They became demons. And since demons cannot attack God who has no body, they attack humans because humans are made in God's image. And they attack humans so that we will no longer be reunited with God and that we won't be able to take part in God's plan of having humans involved in his divine counsel. Because when we die, we don't become angels. We become like the angels. We become saints. And we work alongside these angels in planning and assisting and protecting and guiding the cosmos. So who are these cosmic co-workers that we will be seated alongside in the afterlife? Who are these angels? Are they beautiful beings with wings and harps? 
Are they multi-eyed spheres of terror? What is their form? What is their substance? And how do we call upon them here in our earthly realm? So I think the caveat that I need to make is that I am speaking from Catholic angelology. I'm not going to talk about Solomonic magic. I'm not going to talk about more of the New Age beliefs. I'm going to stick to Catholic or folk Catholic beliefs with this episode. And why? Because there is just so much out there on angels, as you know. Because likely you have wanted to include angels in your spiritual practice, but everything you have come upon has likely been some form of New Age text, which let's not discount all of New Age text, because some of them do have some kind of root and some kind of practice. Or you've come across some kind of initiatory sect, or you've come across some kind of very complex form of ceremonial magic. So an episode on those topics would be far, far wide-reaching. So I'm going to stay in my lane of Catholic angelology. So let's begin with a simple question. Who are and what are the angels? The word angel simply means messenger. So it's not necessarily describing a being. It is, but it isn't. It's more so referring to an act or an action in which God has bestowed upon it. God has bestowed upon this being to be a messenger of some kind. And that's important because often in translations of biblical literature, you have the word angel, but then that same word can be used as gods, spirits, and various other things. However, when we think of angel, we often have this specific vision in mind. But various forces can technically fall into that angelic category if they are serving as a messenger of God. And that's why we can't cancel out that even early pagan gods or early pagan or indigenous spirits could have been seen as angels or could have been angels mistaken for the Most High. And I get into that in various episodes, um, but especially this topic and this concept of the Divine Council, I get into that on my series in the Demonic, so I do recommend you check that out. And interestingly enough as well, um, angels being messengers, yes, typically they are the non-human variety. Um, however, you might see some prophets depicted as angels in artwork. St. John the Baptist, if you look up how he is depicted in Orthodox icons, he's often depicted with wings because angels are messengers of God and so are prophets. Nonetheless, we will talk about angels and what are angels and to understand this best we have to talk about the choirs of angels so we've been taught to really experience the world in a flat secular materialist way we are to look at things scientifically and logically and that's a beautiful way of looking at things contrary to popular belief there have been many great scientists who were Catholic monks. <laughs> they are not anti-evolution you know, or anti-science in the least. However, we've become such logical scientific beings. But spiritually, the world in front of you, as you see it right now, is alive with spiritual forces. All of the matter around you is being pulled on invisible threads by certain angels, by certain spirits and certain forces that are animating life. 
the sun rising and falling and the ensurement that it does every day is because God has put certain angels in charge over it. Our bodies as our hearts beat, as our lungs breathe, because we are animated by angelic forces as well as the force of God and the Holy Spirit. Our protection in this life is also due to our guardian angels. We may be pulled in one direction or the other. We may be inspired by something. We might wake up in the morning and we want to sing, we want to paint, we want to draw, we want to create, because an angel has put that in our mind. Or we may have a gut feeling to not do something as our guardian angel protecting us again. The whole world and everything as you're experiencing it is due to the angels and due to these choirs of angels. So the first sphere of the choir of angels are the angels that worship God directly and they give commands to the other spheres. If you're familiar with a lot of biblical literature, you'll remember that Yahweh does not make his face known to people. He does not make his face known because if they see him, they will die. There are some early scriptures in the Old Testament in which the temple ceremony had to have included a lot of incense because when God came to the temple, if anyone saw him through the smoke, they would perish. Or God would, what? Send an angel in his place. An angel that had the word of God within him. And we'll talk about the word of God and what that means in another episode. But God sent an angel to wrestle Abraham. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to talk to Mary. And that's because God himself is too powerful for us to see, and we will suffer from what is called death by holiness. So these spheres of angels, they start very, very far away from humanity and they get closer and closer. So this first sphere are the furthest away. They are the seraphim. The seraphim are the highest order of angels. They are the angels who are attendants before God's throne. They are the ones who sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts all day, which is referenced in Isaiah 6, 1, 7. It said that one of them touched Isaiah's lips with a live coal from the altar, cleansing him. Biblically or iconographically, they are often depicted as having six wings, two of which cover their faces, two cover their feet, and two are for flying. The Satan in the Garden of Eden is depicted as a seraphim, and that is why the devil is still considered very powerful today, because he is the highest devil. He is the highest order of angel. It's also said that there is a seraphim that is guarding the tree of knowledge with a flaming sword in Genesis. So the seraphim or the seraphim are your first order in the first sphere. The second are the cherubim or the cherubim. And they're often depicted as these angels in, at least in Renaissance art, they're depicted as, you know, the fat baby angels like Cupid, but they're nothing like that whatsoever. They're the second highest in the nine hierarchies in the choirs. In the Old Testament, it does not reveal any evidence that the Jews considered them intercessors or helpers of God. So they weren't someone you could petition. Instead, they were closely linked to God's glory. They were manlike in appearance 
in some ways. They had double wings and they were guardians of God's glory. And they symbolized God's power and mobility. In the New Testament, they are alluded as attendants. So while other angels, which we'll get to, the angels that are closer, and the spheres closer, you can petition, but the cherubim, even though they look somewhat manlike, they're more attendants to God's throne. Speaking of thrones, <laughs> the next order of angels are called thrones. They're said to be angels of pure humility, peace, and submission. They reside in the area of the cosmos where material form begins to take shape. And I think that's beautiful. So somewhere where form and matter are being created, it's because the thrones are creating it. And the other choirs essentially need the thrones to access God because even angels, some of them, cannot stand to view God because God is too powerful. So it's said that other angels will talk to the thrones who then go and speak to God. The second sphere, these angels are the heavenly governors of creation and they subject matter and they guide and rule the spirits. So in this sphere, you have the dominions, and the dominions are the angels of leadership, and they regulate the duties of the angels, and they make known the commandments of God. Then you have the virtues. The virtues are known as the spirits of motion, and they control the elements. They are sometimes referred to as the shining ones, and these are the angels that govern nature. They have control over seasons, stars, the moon, even the sun is subject to their command. They are also in charge of miracles and they provide courage, grace, and valor. And it's interesting about virtues. Because if you have listened to my series on the demonic, I discuss how there were angels that were put charge over all of the nations and then those angels fell. And some of those, well, actually gods, they weren't called angels, but they were, because you know what I said earlier about angels and gods being interchangeable. But the gods or angels were put over all the nations and they fell and became demons. Well, there were actually angels that fell that were over the sun and the moon. So when Christ died, some of the biblical literature has things like an eclipse happened or the moon turned a blood red. And then if you look at iconography and artwork of Christ's crucifixion, the sun and the moon are human-like or angelic-like. And that is, that is essentially saying that the demons no longer have charge over the sun and the moon. Now that Christ has died, went to hell, defeated Satan, now the angels, again, are in charge of the sun, the moon, and the nature. So those would be the virtues. The powers are the next order of angels. They are warrior angels and they fight against any evil in the entire cosmos. They fight against evil spirits, so demons who wreak havoc around human beings. Now, the third sphere, which is where we get more into the human element of things. So you have the principalities and these preside over angels that are closest to humans and charge them with divine ministry and orders. And then you have what many of you are familiar with, the archangels. And archangels are guardians of nations, countries, and issues surrounding humanity. 
the Roman Catholic Church, they often depict three archangels, Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. However, they are not saying those are the only three. Those are just the three mentioned in the Bible, the canonical Bible at least. For instance, the Byzantine Catholic Church, which is still in communion with Rome, they list seven. Um, the Eastern Orthodox Church, by and large, also lists seven. And that gets even murkier because certain Orthodox churches, like the Russian and the Coptic, they might have up to 12. Um, so it, it gets really intense about how many archangels there are. So why is there a difference? We'll go on a little bit of a tangent here. One reason could be the names of the angels are really titles. So Mikael means gift from God. Gabriel means strength from God. Raphael is healing of God. So in some other books of the Bible, especially apoph apocryphal texts like Enoch, there will be a line that says something like the angel of God's prayer defeated the demons. So the angel of God's prayer is a phrase. However, when you translate it, the phrase is Selafael. So is Selafael its own being? Is it a title that the angel is doing? Is the angel being a prayerful angelic warrior? Or is it a unique entity? And you get this a lot. So that's why there's some traditions where they have you know up to 13. And we'll get into the titles of angels because that's really fascinating. But archangels are generally taken to mean the chief or leading angel, and they are the most frequently mentioned throughout the Bible. And they may be other hierarchies. Um, so here's where it gets interesting. For instance, Saint Michael or Michael is an archangel. However, Michael is a seraphim. So we have to consider that some of these angels, yes, they are species that are different from humans, but a lot of these are more job titles. That is why you could have St. Michael or Michael being a seraphim, but also an archangel. And that can be even more intricate because um, Michael was the god or the angel of Israel, which would be a dominion or something higher up in the second sphere. So while these are indicative of species and types, it is possible for an angel to move around and take on different roles. Another example would be guardian angels. Um, I guess we should mention that too now. So under archangel are angels and angels are the beings most people that that are involved in humanity the most our day-to-day -day. we are all born with a unique our um, guardian angel that is with us our entire lives and there are also guardian angels of animals of nature um, one could even argue about something we love and care about um, a creation of some kind they're innumerable. So back to what I was saying about switching roles and how the angels are more so roles than species, but they're also species. Um, Raphael was the guardian angel of Tobias in the book of Tobit. Gabriel could be 
said to be the guardian angel of Christ and Mary. So they are guardian angels, but also archangels, and Mikael seems to be a seraphim and a dominion and an archangel and a guardian angel. So these orders of angels are, are very fascinating because while yes, they are depicted as their own species, it's more so the role that is important and what they are doing and how they are governing the cosmos. It's not necessarily what they are, but what they're doing that matters. And that is also why when we die, we do not become angels, we become saints. And we too can take on one of these roles. We too could become maybe a guardian angel or at least an intercessor on the same level. We would not become a guardian angel. Let me make that clear. But we could become a similar role. We're all going to be intercessors. But maybe we might be something along the lines of assisting in presiding over divine ministries in the third sphere. So as saints or humans, we too can jump around in the order of angels after death in God's divine counsel. So in a nutshell, those are your hierarchy. Those are your orders of angels. That last sphere are the ones closest to us. But we most, on a daily basis, interact with angels. And that makes it even more complicated because yes, a subgroup of angels is just a subgroup called angels. But these are our guardian angels. These are angels that are with us every day, all day. And I always make this point and I'm gonna make it again. So archangels are incredible. I have, I'm looking at Saint Michael on my altar right now, it's his, I have a novena going for him. And these archangels are incredible, they're incredible intercessors. And we very much should venerate them and pray to them. However, never forget that you have a guardian angel that is with you right now, that is sitting next to you, that is watching you, that is protecting you, and that has been alongside you ever since you were born. It is a unique angel that is just for you. So often I, I see people wanting to go straight to St. Michael, straight to St. Raphael, Gabriel. However, don't forget you have a guardian angel that's with you right now. And let's say Mikael and all of the archangels, their, their role is the matters of all humanity. So populations of people, social things, uh, social issues, corruption, war, famine, plague, pestilence, suffering on a global scale. So by and large, they will be there for you because they are your guardian. They are the guardians of humanity, of God's people, and we, were all, we are all God's people. Nonetheless, I'm not saying they're too busy for you, but before you call upon the big guns because you know, you're in a disagreement with someone or you want a job or you're dealing with something very earthly, before calling upon the archangels of God, just shout out to your guardian angel because they're right there. And your guardian angel will also assist you in introducing you to the archangels. And I know that's very difficult. We want to, we really want to make everything super personal and we want to humanize everything. So people always ask me, how do I find out, you know, who my guardian angel is? How do I find out their name and all of this? And I understand the desire for that because it'll make a connection easier. Um, and you can name them if you wish, but I think a lot of people aren't 
really tied or drawn to a guardian angel because they don't have a story. They don't have a story like Gabriel who appeared to Mary and who consoled Christ in the garden before he died, or Mikael who is literally depicted crushing the head of Satan with his spear or sword, or Raphael who heals and cures and kills a fish demon in the book of Tobit. Guardian angels don't necessarily have these stories, but they are still our allies and our supporters and they're always with you. So before we call upon the archangels, which you should, spend some time praying to your guardian angel and we'll talk about that today. And therein kind of lies the frustrating simplicity of this episode and angels in general. Because again, we're not talking about Solomonic magic where you have to create a, a circle and summon an angel within the circle. Uh, we're talking about Catholic angelology where you literally have an angel next to you at all times. So there's no need to summon. There's just a need to pray. So this is a, a very simple practice and a very simple approach to communing with the angels. But let's, let's do some Q&A with the angels. So what are angels made of? And they are made of pure intellect and energy. They don't belong to this universe, but they are visitors. But aren't we all? And this is actually one thing that demonic uses to their advantage. They cannot attack God, but they can attack those made in God's image. So our bodily form is something they also cannot have. And while it's negative because our bodies can become ill, it's a positive because we can experience God's creation in a way they never can, which is why some of these fallen angels possess humans. And there's a lot more we can get into in Genesis and the role of death, because death, at least in a Genesis concept, was necessary or else we would live in a broken world forever. So death was so we could commune with God again. And the bodies as they are now allow that. So how do angels communicate with God and with us? So angels communicate with God and through one another through telepathy, essentially. At least that's what the scholars say, such as St. Thomas Aquinas. Though they communicate with us through signs, symbols, and as I said before, being drawn to something in a particular way. Of course, demons are angels too, so they can pull us in that opposite direction. So angels want us closer to God. Demons want us further away. So the cliche of a devil on one shoulder, an angel on the other, is very accurate. I also want to say that since angels do communicate with us through signs. All right, wait for it. I'm gonna go ahead and say angel numbers are a thing, all right? I'm gonna say angel numbers are a thing because angels speak to us through signs. So who says an angel cannot speak to us through our clock microwave at 3.33 in the morning when we wake up and we just take a handful of shredded cheese from the refrigerator and eat it right in front of the oven. Angels are there too and they're speaking to us. So you heard it here on St. Anthony's Tongue that I'm giving validity to angel numbers. So what do angels really look like? So as bodiless spirits, they do not look like much to us. However, Abraham, Jacob, Ezekiel, Tobit, even Christ himself all interacted with angels. So they have taken on or do take on some form. 
So Zechariah and Ezekiel, their descriptions are the ones we know today as biblically accurate angel descriptions. Though archangels and guardian angels, they're often described as having appearance that's similar to humans. There's also contradictions about what these angels look like. For instance, we talked about the seraphim earlier. Well, seraphim are usually depicted as either serpent-esque or they're depicted as burning. Um, seraphim means the burning ones. Um, however, we know that St. Michael or Mikael is a seraphim. Well, he has a more human appearance. He does have a flaming sword though. So there are a lot of discrepancies. So one could say that there is symbolism. So, you know, the many-eyed spinning wheels and the multi-winged angels, um, there's symbolism there, though many people will say that the human mind can't really fathom the otherworldly appearance of an angel. So it's going to look a little different to each of us. And I think that's really fascinating because when you get into stories of demonic possession, um, it's said that a person might start floating, but only you'll see it. The other, the priest won't, or the priest may see it and you won't. So we all will see these beings differently. And St. Thomas Aquinas says that angelic minds are higher than human minds. They are pure intellect. And imagination aids our thought processes. So we need images that correspond to the world we see. And therefore, angels may appear as something to give us a message or a symbol, or just because they want to help us because they know that our mind perceives images better. And there's a lot of beautiful lore around how we encounter various angels in disguise throughout our lives. And while it seems sappy, I like to believe it's true. There's a lot of philosophers that say, you know, a lot of people you encounter every day are really angelic beings. And angels have taken forms of humans, animals, and much more in biblical literature. It's also nice knowing that our guardian angels or archangels, these angels that are most aligned with humanity, they like to take on human forms to make us comfortable. And this is nice compared to the roaring and rolling lion-headed spheres with innumerable eyes like you see in Ezekiel's visions. Another question I get quite often is, can our guardian angel be an archangel? And I've already talked about this a little bit. I actually just had this question again before I started recording. So guardian angels are your go-to angels your whole life. An archangel can certainly be a patron spirit that you develop a relationship with, but your guardian angel is always your first line of defense. Um, there's no need to necessarily, you know, summon them, they're always there. You can, can and should pray to them and call upon them and thank them. Um, but no, typically a, a guardian angel is going to be a unique angel separate from an archangel. And another question, do angels have specific personalities? And the answer is yes. Uh, while humans all have the same form and human essence, as stated before, angels are species upon species. It's even more diverse. We are all human beings, but angels can vary. The different angels are more like roles and jobs. So even within, you know, the sphere of archangels, they can be different species within that. 
So because of that, each angel, including your guardian, can have their own personality and specific traits. So let's talk about some common ways to incorporate the angelic into your spirituality. One of my favorites is very simple. My birthday was recently. And a common custom is to have a party for your guardian angel um, on your birthday. It could be a, a feast. It could just be a prayer session. It could be putting a slice of cake on an altar by a guardian angel prayer card. But your birthday is the anniversary of when you first met your guardian angel, when they first began to have you know, um, assistance in your life. So spend some time in prayer or even have a feast on your altar um, when it's time for your for your birthday to connect with your, um, your guardian angel. Uh, a very common Italian folk practice, which I love so much, is having your guardian angel go and speak to someone when you want to convince someone of something. So if I want to smooth out a issue I'm having with someone, or I want to convince my boss that I'm doing a good job, or I want to convince my boss to cut me some slack, I will pray to my guardian angel to go talk to my boss's guardian angel. And you also see the inverse of that. When you want to teach someone a lesson, you ask your guardian angel to conspire with their guardian angel so this person will see the error of their ways. Which I like that as well because angels do have kind of that neutrality at certain times. And I get into a lot of that in my demon series, even though it's about the demonic. I do still talk about how there are angels that are neutral and some even can play a role of almost a demon like we see in Job, even though they do still answer to God. A more intricate way of calling upon the angels, a more magical and witchy way, is this following thing that I don't have a name for. Uh, but you're going to take a St. Michael prayer card Gabriel prayer card, Raphael prayer card, and a guardian angel prayer card. So the three archangels and a guardian angel prayer card. You're going to want a candle. It can be a novena, a chime, a votive candle, doesn't matter, and a bell. And now you're also going to want four charms that represent your needs. So first, think about what you want to call upon the angels for. Protection, prosperity, healing. So depending, get a charm that is going to to uh, speak to that. So if I wanted protection, I might do a St. Benedict medal. Um, I might do a small, let, let's have fun. I might put a bullet in there. Um, I might put thorns to keep people out. Um, so you're gonna want four charms. Or if it's um, healing, I might uh, have a vial of uh, anointing oil. I might have a medicinal herb, you get the picture. So place a candle on your altar, your space. And like I said, it can be any style of candle. Though if it is a novena candle, you gotta stick with it and let it burn all nine days. Now you're going to place uh, the prayer cards in all four directions of the candle. And then in between those spaces, you are going to put your charms and they can be for different things. So if you want to pray for protection, healing, and prosperity, go for it. It doesn't all have to be one category. So you're going to open the prayer then 
Um, I like to do incense and holy water, but open with the ringing of the bell. If not, just simply do the sign of the cross. Then you're going to light the candle and you're going to pray um, a guardian angel prayer, the three archangel prayer, and then you are going to state your intentions. And then once you're done with that, you are going to repeat the following a hundred times. Holy angels sent by God, hear my prayers, watch over me. Holy angels sent by God, hear my prayers, watch over me. A hundred times. So those prayers that I mentioned earlier, um, the guardian angel prayer, I don't like the rhyming one, but you can use the rhyming one. Angel of God, so I use this one, which is kind of the Latin in English. Angel of God who guards me, to whom has been entrusted to me with heavenly responsibility, this day or night, lied, guard, rule, and guide me. Amen. And the prayer to the archangels. It's a bit long, but I'll go through it. Heavenly King, you have given us archangels to assist us during our pilgrimage on earth. St. Michael is our protector. I ask him to come to my, my aid, fight for all my loved ones, and protect us from danger. St. Gabriel is a mes messenger of good news. I ask him to help me clearly hear your voice and to teach me the truth. St. Raphael is the healing angel. I ask him to take my need for healing and that of everyone I know. Lift it up to your throne. Deliver us back to the gift of recovery. Help us, O Lord, to realize more fully the reality of archangels and their desire to serve us. Holy angels, pray for us and state your intention. So, you will light your candle, place the four cards, as well as the charms, and then pray those two prayers I just read. So that's the guardian angel prayer and prayer to the archangels. These can easily be found online. Um, I've posted this one on my Patreon some time ago. Um, However, I think the beauty of this as well is not necessarily in the prayer that you read. It's more so in the prayer cards, it's lighting the candles and praying. So if there's a different variation that you'd like to take, um, but still use those two. Pray to your guardian angel and then find a way to pray to the three archangels. So that could be three separate prayers or another prayer you like, and then state your intention. So if you are a member of the Patreon, you probably are familiar with some of these things because I talk about them a lot there. So I guess the key takeaway here is there is so much beauty and mystery in the cosmos and God and the angels are governing the cosmos and we too one day will become like the angels. We will become saints so we also can help intercede on people's behalf. One day we will be able to answer someone's prayers from beyond. We may even be able to assist in the rising of the sun the setting of the moon, and the twinkling of the stars, and the rising and falling of the tides, because we too are to become like the angels. And also, as I've been saying, your guardian angel, sit with them, pray to them. Saint Padre Pio said that he was able to understand foreign languages and get new knowledge because of his relationship with his guardian angel. Some of the world's top exorcists, the church's top exorcists, recommend prayers to your guardian angel before doing any kind of deliverance work. They pray to their guardian angel before doing exorcisms. So often our guardian angel is seen as this cutesy little thing in Renaissance art, and we learn little cutesy rhyming prayers. However, they are a very fierce, powerful spiritual ally who is ready to protect you, comfort you, and love you. Let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
God. What we see is only surface level. But beyond all of this, there is a swirling, dancing, spiritual realm that is too complex for our human minds and human eyes to see. But in that world, I know that the angels are dancing and spinning and everything we see is illuminated by you and your holy helpers. So remind us, God, that we have the angels on our side, that we have a guardian next to us that is here to protect us and love us when we feel low, that can remind us that we are worthy of all of the things we dream of, that we are whole, that we are without fault, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. God, I ask us, I ask you to remind us that we too will become like the angels. We will assist others in guiding and governing the cosmos and answering prayers, but help us to be like the angels now rather than the afterlife. Remind us to assist one another, to love one another, not because of ego, not because we want something from them, because it is our duty and much like our guardians have duty to protect, our role is to love. I ask this in your name. May all of the archangels bless us. Amen. This has been another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll be discussing everyone's favorite angel, St. Michael. So thank you for listening and remember May our guardian angels continue to guide us. Until next time, Selah.